Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Pastor Clark Covington here with another episode of KJV Cafe. I'm excited to be here. Hopefully you are too. Here at the cafe, I've got myself a little latte. Uh, I don't know where the coffee is from, but it's roasted dark and it's good. Amen. So I've got a little latte here. Uh, Yes, it's decaf. So I'm still uh, on the mend a little bit. So trying to keep the caffeine in check a little bit, but Hey, I'll be back to the regular full, full leaded stuff before you know it. I'm just so blessed to be here today, so grateful to be here today at the cafe as we dive into God's word, as we look deeper into what thus saith the word of God. And I'm so excited about Genesis 2. I don't know. I was excited about Genesis 1. I'm excited about Genesis 2 because it really helps us to understand so much about the Lord's plan for us. You know, this is not just ancient history. This is living history. This is uh, stuff that information that I will talk to my wife about, or my wife will talk to me about that. We'll we'll talk about how, hey, you know, we can see God in in this idea or in that idea. Just yesterday, my wife was telling me she was watching something with the kids, kind of like, I guess, for homeschool about turtles. And apparently turtles are mostly plant eaters. And I was talking about how you know, here in Genesis, it shows that, you know, man was just eating plants. Amen. And uh, turtles, as they get older, I guess they eat plants. And we were just talking about that. It's still relevant today because God gave turtles this instinct and gave them a certain personality that's very unique. And, you know, they're independent of their parents very young. My wife was telling me and so forth, because I don't know a whole lot about turtles. I'm no turtle expert, but I'll tell you what, every kind of conversation pretty much links back to me, at least, to what God's doing or what God's up to or what what God wants us to know. You know, God is a living God and there's so much great truth in his word. And today we're tackling here in Genesis 2, we're going to tackle a little bit about these rivers in the Garden of Eden. So our last uh, episode, we mentioned Genesis 2.10, which is, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became into four heads. And so it must have been a big river because it was watering the Garden of Eden. That sounds exciting to me. Amen. I love seeing lively rivers and streams. Man, if you ever get a chance and you're in this Carolina area, go up to South Mountain. Absolutely gorgeous. Yes, you can hike the mountains, see waterfalls, etc. But even on the low-lying land there in South Mountain, you just park and get out and start walking. And you'll see these beautiful streams and rivers full of trout and full of rocks and full of clear water. I think of the Pigeon River. And I love every time I'm up in Pigeon Forge or Tennessee or anywhere in the mountainscape there, I love to just go ahead and take some of that water and just slap it on my face, amen, just to help wake me up. I love it. That 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 river there in the Garden of Eden was very deep and, and, and uh, plentiful, so much so that it went out into four parts. And here today, we're looking at, at Genesis 2. 12 through, or excuse me, 11 through 15. So Genesis 2, 11 through 15. The name of the first is Pison. This is the, these are the four heads of the river. 
than it is which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where the gold, uh, where there is gold, amen, where there is gold. So there was a land there with gold. All right, that is Genesis 2.11, Genesis 2.12. And the gold of that land is good. And there is Bedlam and Onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the same as that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. Well, we know where Ethiopia is. That's Africa. And the name of the third river is Hedekal, that is, that which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Okay, that gives us the four there. And then in uh, verse 15, and then we'll go back and look at these rivers. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Okay, so we're getting a kind of a, a architecture, a layout of the Garden of Eden. We understand there's, there's a river running through it to help water the plants. Amen water the garden. Okay. So God is choosing to water the garden in that way. Uh, and then it splits into four. And when we come back from this break, we're going to look at what those four rivers could have been or might've been and what it means for us today. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to KJV cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. Okay, so we have these four rivers, and we're trying to figure out what are they, right? And now here is the, the, the thing that just blows my mind, okay? You know, when you research this, and I did some research on this because I wanted to see if people know, again, what's blowing my mind is that no one's really taking into account the flood. So if we think of a massive global flood that flooded the whole earth in the times of Noah, right? So we, we know that that comes a little bit later in Genesis, right? And so we look at like Genesis 6 or something, and you have here that people are acting bad. God floods it. We're going to get into all that, right? But we're in Genesis 2. And so this, this Garden of Eden is before the flood. This Garden of Eden described is before the curse of man, where man fell, where they fell into sin. And so what blows my mind is if you're a true born-again Bible believer, these things would be pretty apparent, Yet when you go online, at least, and you research, um, you know, like what people think, where they think these rivers are, people are just taking stabs at it. Like, hey, well, I think it might be here or it could be this. And I'm just shaking my head like, what What do you mean here or this? I mean, the flood. Like, I imagine a beach, right? And I know this is simple and I'm obviously not a scientist or a geologist or anything. But if you look at a beach where kids are real young, they don't like to play in the tide, it's too rough. So there'll be like these little, I don't know, alcoves or little kind of areas of sand that's worn in and they'll puddle up into these little channels and they'll have these little channels. The water isn't too rough. The kids love to splash in it. Well, I don't know exactly what happens, but often as the tide comes up and then the tide recedes the next day or the next few hours, those channels are gone, amen. They're washed away. So these rivers, in my opinion, cannot be found because for the most part, they're completely gone. Uh, that said, people take a stab at what it could mean. And I did some research. Um, there's a good article, kjvbible.org, Rivers of the Garden of Eden is the the uh, subject there. And this is a an actual scientist who's also a Bible believer. And I've referenced his article before in research for preaching over the years. But if you have time, it's kind of a long read, but just, just you know, it's called The Lost Rivers of the Garden of Eden hyphen found. Okay, so you could Google that or just go to kjvbible.org and then search up The Lost Rivers of the Garden of Eden. He has a deep dive in here. I also looked 
at Shabbat.org or Shabbat.org. And that is like a very large Jewish website. I don't know exactly if it's like, you know, this official organization or something. I'm guessing it is. But they have a very detailed one uh, written by Shaul Wolf that goes into what it could be. So I used both the Jewish research and a more relatable, fundamental uh, scientist research. And what it, a lot of my research showed was the Pison could be the Nile River uh, or it could be the Ganges River in India or the Indus River, which also flows through India as well. The truth is people don't know. Uh, the Gihon could be the Blue Nile. Uh, Africa and Ethiopia is where it flows through. Uh, the Hedical, they pretty much believe, is the Tigris River. When you understand the Tigris River, you're looking at headwaters in Turkey, and you're looking at a river in modern-day Iraq. And then, of course, the Euphrates. People can really identify that. And if you look at the Euphrates, it runs nearly parallel to the Tigris, which also meets in Turkey. So what we know is there's a few of these rivers left. There's a few of these rivers that people cannot find. They've gone very deeply with trying to find it, trying to look at dried up riverbeds, et cetera. But people frankly don't know. So here is my point for you. Instead of nitpicking at where the river could be, though that's interesting, why don't we just imagine that it was there, okay? And that it might have changed drastically either when man was cursed and sent out of the garden, God could have changed it then, or at the point of the flood, when the flood recedes, certainly it would have changed dramatically, okay? So who knows? Only God knows, and we don't, you know, we can speculate. And I remember coming to the same conclusion researching this years ago for, a, you know, a Bible study or for a message. The point is, we need to look at what God has told us about the Garden of Eden, that it was plentiful that these four rivers would uh, split off. That's how powerful it was. And that they would then go into these certain places. And so we understand that the Garden of Eden in the context of like a map would be somewhere in the Middle East, right? Somewhere either in the Middle East, Africa, uh, that area, maybe a little bit of Asia. Some people think uh, it could be Turkey. Uh, others think it may even be Jerusalem. It was coming out of the city of David. It was coming out of God's holy land. We don't exactly know, but we. But again, if you think the Garden of Eden was, you know, here in North Carolina, probably not, you know, or somewhere random like Australia or something, probably not. But that's, that. again, we can deduce, we can deduce a lot from just the little clues that we have, understanding where Ethiopia is, understanding what goes towards Assyria, understanding where Africa in, in, on, and on and on. Okay. And we see here that in this uh, chapter that God puts man, he puts him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And so we have the creation of man. And now we have this verse that was referenced before in our notes that man is there to do something. And so God is giving man an, an, an assignment, if you will. And isn't it interesting, and this is what I want you to think about in the few minutes that we have left here today, that man is given an assignment in the same place or area where he soon will be tempted, okay? And so God isn't necessarily tempting man, but he's not keeping man completely shielded from that temptation, is he? He's saying, "You're going. here's your assignment, you're going to dress and keep the garden. And so as we live in the world today, God says, okay, depart from sin, depart from the unclean thing. 
and be a witness and be a light on a hill and be a believer for all to see and give glory and praise to God. That's a challenge, isn't it? Because the temptation in this world is to be like this world. You know, it's very difficult to um, not assimilate to the ways of society. I think of certain trends in society today, and I'm not going to mention them, but there are certain trends that I see, uh, cosmetic trends or trends in the way someone may look or appear, and they weren't there maybe 10 years ago, okay? And that trend gained steam for whatever reason, but now everybody seems to be buying into the trend, okay? And just imagine this is something that maybe wouldn't please God. But man is so in tune to assimilate, right? And, I, you know, I can't forget a trend about an appearance. Think about the latest craze, you know. Uh, when I was little, Tickle Me Elmo was a big toy everybody wanted to get. I think I was not like a baby at that time, but I remember it was just like sold out everywhere, people fighting over it. Everybody wanted that little toy. You know, they all wanted it because they almost wanted to be like each other. Nowadays, you have the Stanley Cup and the Stanley Cup, not the hockey trophy, but the Stanley Cup, the one you put your drink in. The people are fighting over it and stealing it, reselling it, and people going crazy for it, right? And why? I mean, why? You can go to Walmart and get an Ozark Trail mug that's very similar, but there's no fighting and stealing for that. Why is because man is constantly assimilating to their environment. And so God puts Adam in the Garden of Eden in front of a big fat temptation, which we're going to talk about in the next two episodes, and says, tend this garden. And yeah, don't don't be bad. You know, don't, don't, don't give in to sin. And we here are on this earth to be a witness and, and not to separate from the earth as bad as we may want to. But we can't just leave the earth. Paul says to leave sin, you'd have to leave the earth. You can't do that right now. So we have to both be a witness for God and also not assimilate or fall into sin. And that's very challenging because eventually people are going to be offended. There's a great uh, uh, area clip in uh, Pilgrim's Progress where the character goes through. I was, it's a book, obviously, but there was a movie we watched with the kids. And the character goes through Vanity Fair and they lock up the main character because they want to put him in jail because he doesn't want to take part in their vanity fair. He doesn't want to take part in their folly, you know, and they were so offended. They locked him up. And that is what we're called to do is to carry those burdens, to live for God, but to not fall into the folly, not fall into sin and to stand firm on what God has called us to do, which is be witnesses for him and to, to separate and be away from the unclean thing. We're going to dive deeper into this in the next two episodes. So tune in next time. And I thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless. And amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow. Same time, same place.